Our final speaker at today's conference is Barbara Morgan Gardner. She's Associate Professor of Church History and Doctrine at Brigham Young University. Professor Gardner, a native of Salem, Oregon, uh, holds a doctorate uh, in uh, educational psychology and has done postdoctoral work at Harvard University. Dr. Gardner uh, was Institute Director in Boston, Massachusetts, serving more than 100 colleges and universities in the area and acting as chaplain at Harvard University and uh, MIT. She continues to serve as chaplain at large for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Her presentation on women, the priests in the contemporary uh, is, uh, church is uh, significant. Permit me uh, to provide an explanation for the nature of her uh, presentation. This conference was originally designed to treat the ancient temple and temple-related beliefs and practices in the ancient world. However, this topic, women and the priests in the contemporary church, is extremely important for members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to understand both uh, men and women. Her book, Women in the Priesthood, uh, has a great deal to teach us. Uh, even active, committed members of the church. For this reason, we are turning from uh, the ancient temple to the contemporary church uh, to uh, deal with this topic. So without further ado, uh, Professor Gardner. Thank you, Stephen Riggs. I appreciate that introduction. It, it is a pleasure to be here and to be invited to speak today, especially on the more of a contemporary issue of temples, and in this case, um, priesthood and women in temples. And in coming to this topic, I have to say that I have learned much in this process of writing the book that Stephen spoke of, um, but also in teaching students, family, uh, religious leaders as well. And I have uh, admittedly much more to learn as, as we all do on this topic. Uh, just to start out, I wanna I wanted voice a concern that President Nelson uh, gave to the members of the church in 2018. He said, now may I voice a concern. It is this, too many of our brothers and sisters do not fully understand the concept of priesthood power and authority. I fear that too many of our brothers and sisters do not grasp the privileges that could be theirs. Well, when he made this statement, I waited for the actual document to come out from General Conference, and I noted in the footnote that he quoted sections 84 and sections 107 of the Doctrine and Covenants, which is to me very significant, as in this quote, in this concern, he was speaking both to women and men and, re and recognizing that women and men were not receiving and, and taking in full advantage of their priesthood power and authority. Therefore, Section 84 is significant because often it, it was used, although more significantly it is now used, but it was used only at the time for men. Now it's being used commonly for both men and women. Uh, the same is, is in regards to Section 107. So if we look at Section 84 of the Doctrine and Covenants, it says the following. And remember this in context of President Nelson's concern. This greater priesthood administereth the gospel and holdeth the key of the mysteries of the kingdom of God, even the key of the knowledge of God. Therefore, in the ordinances thereof, the power of godliness is manifest. And without the ordinances thereof and the authority of the priesthood, the power of godliness is not manifest unto men in the flesh. 
for without this no man can see the face of God, even the Father, and live. I've come to recognize that this scripture or these verses of scripture from the Lord through this revelation to Joseph Smith in section 84 of the Doctrine and Covenants is often misunderstood uh, and perhaps takes more looking into, which we are going to come back to later. Section 107 is similar. Uh, President Nelson asking the members of the church, both women and men, to understand this. The revelation says, the power and the authority of the higher or Melchizedek priesthood is to hold the keys of all the spiritual blessings of the church to have the privilege of receiving the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, to have the heaven opened unto them, to commune with the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, and to enjoy the communion and presence of God, the Father and Jesus, the mediator, uh, Jesus mediator of the new covenant. As I continue on with this presentation, I would invite you to perhaps allow yourself to think of current terms in different ways. For example, keys, uh, authority, power. These are terms that have been defined a number of times, but sometimes perhaps in different contexts than we sometimes understand them to be. So I'm going to give you that invitation as I continue on with this, with this presentation. Again from President Nelson. In October of 2019, he says the following, the heavens are just as open to women who are endowed with God's, priesthood, with God's power flowing from their priesthood covenants as they are to men who bear the priesthood. I pray that truth will register upon each of your hearts because I believe it will change your life. Sisters, you have the right to draw liberally upon the Savior's power to help your family and others you love. So a thought, maybe something to think about is this. When President Oaks, a quote that we'll come to in a moment, talks about women and priesthood authority, he makes the statement, what other authority would it be? That would be the same statement with priesthood power. When women have power coming through their endowments, of course, what other power would it be? So I submit to you that anytime President Nelson or any of the leaders of the church are talking about women having priesthood or having power and authority, what other power and authority could it be than that of the priesthood? Which is also explained in a number of their talks. So when I'm talking about authority and power, please understand we're talking about priesthood, power, and authority. President Nelson, again, this, becomes, this comes significantly in this statement. This is 2015 when President Nelson was called to be the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. He says, we, your brethren, speaking to the women, need your strength, your conversion, your conviction, your ability to lead, your wisdom, and your voices. The kingdom of God is not and cannot be complete without women who make sacred covenants and then keep them, women who can speak with the power and authority of God. Again, priesthood power, priesthood authority, women being able to speak with such. How is this happening? And why is the emphasis so strong in the last five years? Continuing on, President Nelson again from 2015. We need women who are devoted to shepherding God's children along the covenant path towards exaltation. Women who know how to receive personal revelation, who understand the power and peace of the temple endowment. Women who know how to call the powers of heaven to protect and strengthen children and families. Women who teach Again, the powers of heaven. How do women do this? Through their temple endowment. President Nelson has been speaking about this heartily. I'm now going to confuse a, a, a few things here, but I'll come back together to, to pull them apart and hopefully analyze them a little bit. President Nelson is referring in these talks that he has given to the endowment, and he's talking about the temple, and he's talking about covenants and priesthood power that are associated with that. Now we're going back to this, this quote that I have from President Oaks that he gave 2015, the same year. In this case, however, he is referring to the priesthood power through callings. Note the following. 
To the men of the church, he says, we are not accustomed to speaking of women having the authority of the priesthood in their church callings, but what other authority can it be? When a woman young or old is set apart to preach the gospel as a full-time missionary, she is given priesthood authority to perform a priesthood function. The same is true when a woman is set apart to function as an officer or a teacher in a church organization under the direction of one who holds the keys of the priesthood. Whoever functions in an officer or calling received from one who holds priesthood keys exercises priesthood authority in performing her assigned, priest, assigned duties. So now we have, in a sense, the prophet of the church talking about the priesthood power and authority that comes through temple endowment and covenants. And we have President Oaks, the first counselor of the church, talking about women who have priesthood authority through their callings associated with one who holds priesthood keys. In a sense, we're setting up two distinct and individual uh, um, paradigms of priesthood power and authority, which we're going to continue to talk about. Now, notice again, we're going to go back to the temple idea of priesthood power and authority. This is President Ballard. I just realized I was not using this, although I'm seeing it wonderfully on my screen. Thank you. Uh, President Ballard says the following, you have been baptized into the Lord's church. You have received the gift of the Holy Ghost, and many of you have been endowed, and some of you have been sealed in the house of the Lord. So again, of emphasis on the temple. Like faithful sisters in the past, he was referring to those sisters who were in England uh, as the early church was starting. So like faithful sisters in the past, you need to learn how to use the priesthood authority with which you have been endowed to obtain every eternal blessing that will be yours. I want to make it very clear that the brethren are talking about priesthood power and authority in the temple in a distinct way than they are talking about priesthood power and authority that is received through priesthood callings or callings within the church structure. We have seen these talks recently, as you can see, many of these are 2015. So in this past about five years, we have seen an acceleration of the need for women to understand their priesthood power and authority under both contexts. This actually really started uh, as, as we look at the history of women talking about priesthood and men talking about priesthood with Sister Burton and a meeting that she went to in 2013. She says, in a recent 2013 worldwide leadership training, Elder Oaks emphatically stated, men are not the priesthood. To me, that is a wake-up call as well as an invitation to all of us to study, ponder, and come to better understand the priesthood. Sisters, we cannot stand up and teach those things we do not understand and know for ourselves. At this point from this conference, Sister Burton's invitations seemed to start taking, uh, started taking some type of need or giving some type of need to the women of the church. They had been asked by their General Relief Society president of the church to study priesthood power and authority like they never had before. In fact, women, and we'll talk about this at the end, were actually, were actually asked by the, pre, by the General Relief Society president of the church to study and know and memorize the oath and covenant of the priesthood found in section 84 of the Doctrine and Covenants. You see this with this woman asking this, clearly she's getting it as, a, as an invitation from, from the prophetic leadership of the church. This is, a, this is a, perhaps an impetus, but we saw this six years later from the current General Relief Society presidency. They say this, to the women of the church, may we extend an invitation to each of you. To all of us who have daughters and sons, nieces and nephews, young women and young men, will you teach them this? Teach them that in church callings, temple ordinances, family relationships, and quiet individual ministry, Latter-day Saint women and men go forward with priesthood power and authority. Teach them the interdependence of men and women in accomplishing God's work through his priesthood power is central to the restored gospel of Jesus Christ and will help prepare the world for the Savior's second coming. Now we're going a little bit forward. We're asking the women of the, of the church to understand their priesthood power and authority, and we're given a reason 
to help prepare the world for the Savior's second coming. Now, this is going to become a continued theme that we're going to see from the brethren, the brethren leaders and the sisters throughout the church. And this ties us directly into not only the earlier days of the church, with, with Joseph Smith and, and others preparing us for the temple and temple endowment for both women and men, but it also is going to have specific tie into the earlier days of Adam and Eve, Moses and others. So this theme is going to be continuing to go forward. Sister Bingham then clarifies a little bit in her 2019 Women's Conference talk where she says, I bear witness that each woman is a beloved daughter of heavenly parents and in this latter day has been given the opportunity to be endowed with priesthood power that will help her achieve all of her righteous desires and dreams. My hope is, she continues, the same as President Nelson's, that each will, will take our rightful and needful place in our homes and our communities and in the kingdom of God more than we ever have before. President Oaks in the 2019 General Conference then actually adds on to this. This comes shortly after in October where he says, we cannot, as the church, bring in the Savior's second coming and gather Israel unless women use their priesthood power and authority to do so. So this continuing building of women and the need to use their priesthood power and authority is being spoken at the highest levels of the church. It seems that at times that this topic of women in the priesthood has been almost, almost a, 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 a fear, um, as if women shouldn't be talking about priesthood, as if, as if women shouldn't be having a discussion because for some reason that means that women want the priesthood or they want to be ordained to the priesthood or there's a misunderstanding or women are trying to be too masculine in some way. There are many reasons why this, in a sense, has not been a popular topic and women in, 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 for many years have pulled back. But this is no longer that topic. This is a topic that women of the church are being asked to study and use and learn the priesthood power and authority has been one that the prophet himself, the members of the first presidency and the, and the, the leaders of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, the General Relief Society president of the church, all of our counselors, the young women's president and primary presidency are all asking the women to start studying and knowing and using their priesthood power and authority as never before. In fact, recently I just did a study where I went through and looked at the general conference talks or women's conference talks in some way uh, that were that were given in the last primarily five years. This is just a slide and it is not completely comprehensive, but you will see in these last few years, this is the number of talks that have been given on this topic. In addition, I have had my research assistants look into the times that endowment, the word endowment, the word women, and the word priesthood have been spoken of. It is by far the last five years, if I had all the graphs I would show you here. We have President Joseph Smith speaking of it in great and high numbers, and then we go down, and it literally does go down until we get to President Nelson, and it is an extreme increase in these last five years. It seems that perhaps it is coming in conjunction with the Lord is hastening his work at this time, as we see in Section 88 of the Doctrine and Covenants. President Nelson says the following, when a man understands the majesty and power of righteous seeking endowed Latter-day Saint woman, is it any wonder that he feels like standing when she enters the room? President Nelson, if we look carefully at the talks that he has been giving, has been carefully talking about the temple in context of women, not, not, not only in, in a nuanced manner, but in a very open, trying to help people understand in a way they never have before. So I'm gonna take a moment and just talk about the confusion that we sometimes see between between women and priesthood power and authority and, and uh, the contemporary need to understand women and priesthood. 
So I had this original circle of just the priesthood, and I have noted that for years, many people study the priesthood as if it is one definition and one definition only, and it's all encompassing within a circle. I've come to recognize that this is a very narrow view of the priesthood, as has been discussed by many, including most recently, Elder Renland, who says the following. He says, many members of the church who accept, love, and appreciate the priesthood may find themselves fuzzy on the doctrines and principles. Perhaps that is because the term priesthood is used in at least two ways. First, priesthood is the term used to describe the total power and authority of God. Second, priesthood is also the term used to describe the power and authority that God gives to ordained priesthood holders on the earth to act in all things necessary for the salvation of God's children. It's the second term and the second definition of the priesthood that is most commonly used. As we would understand, we have priesthood holding men speaking to priesthood holding younger men or men in general conference or at priesthood sessions of general conference. They're doing specific training. So we see for the number, just a simple numbers game, if we were to look at it that way, of course, we're going to have more talks on the priesthood using the second definition of the priesthood than we would have in the first. However, Understanding it in terms of the first definition is extremely important. Again, Elder Renland and Sister Renland say, thus the same word priesthood refers both to God's total power and authority and that portion of his power and authority that he delegates to man on earth. Therefore, it's extremely important that when we are talking about priesthood, we understand the greater definition of priesthood as God's total power. In fact, Elder and Sister Renland, when they talk about this in definition, they actually, they actually refer to the way we define the earth. So, for example, there is a big earth, and we would use the term earth to describe the entire globe. But yet we would also use the term earth to describe the dirt that we hold in our hands. Most often in the last 200 years, except for these, these exceptions that I've talked about the beginning and the end of this dispensation, for now, we talk about, we talk about the priesthood in terms of the dirt, or in terms of the, of the understanding of the, of, the, of the more minute definition of the priesthood, when in reality we are missing the bigger priesthood, which in some sense has been holding women and others, women, perhaps even children, but women especially, um, it, it's been keeping them back from being able to use the priesthood power and authority in which God has wanted them to use. I compare this to the idea of the elephant, and we know the story of the six blind men of Indostan, who were to, to learning much inclined, who went to see the elephant, though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy his mind. We understand that there are some who go to the elephant, some of these blind men, and they'll hold the trunk, and they may, they may think it's a snake, or they may hold the back of the elephant's leg, and they may think it's a trunk of the tree. They may hold the elephant's side, and they may think it's a wall. They're all seeing, and they're all touching, they're not seeing. They're all touching the elephant, but they're all right, yet they are all wrong. And this is what we see when we talk about the priesthood. We have different definitions of the priesthood unless we understand it in its whole and in its finest. We're talking at different terms, and therefore we're talking across each other and not understanding the completeness of what we need to understand to fulfill what the prophet and the Lord are asking women and men to do today. Therefore, I find it helpful for me. This is a diagram that I tried to use to explain priesthood in a, in a, in a, in a perhaps simpler sense. So the priesthood, the, the circle of the, on the large part is the priesthood of God, priesthood meaning God's total power and authority. The inner circle then is priesthood, God's power and authority delegated to man. There have been do, two priesthood structures on the earth since the time that God has given this, this, this opportunity to hold his priesthood in a sense, since the times of Adam and Eve. And these two different organizational structures are the hierarchical or administrative priesthood and the patriarchal or familial priesthood. I have come to understand that if we do not understand the separation between these two organizational structures, it is very difficult to talk about priesthood in correct terms.
So I invite you to think on your own, I'm gonna talk about this a little bit, but I do invite you to think on your own and analyze the different organizational structures of how the church has, or how the priesthood has been used since the days of Adam and Eve. And also to understand in the pre-mortal life, it was the patriarchal and or familial priesthood that was being used, and that is also going to be the priesthood structure that will be used post-mortally as well. The reason why I use the term patriarchal familial is because President Nelson, President Benson in 1985 actually says a better term for patriarchal priesthood is familial priesthood, one that could actually really help both women and men as we try to have conversations regarding this topic. So in regard to this priesthood then, we understand that Adam and Eve first had this priesthood, and again this comes from President Benson, referring to the patriarchal familial order of the priesthood. President Benson states, Adam and his descendants entered into the priesthood order of God. Today we would say that they went to the house of the Lord and received their blessings. The order of the priesthood spoken in the scriptures is sometimes referred to as patriarchal order because it came down from father to son. But this, uh, this order is otherwise described in modern revelation as an order of family government, where a man and a woman enter into a covenant with God, just as did Adam and Eve, sealed for eternity to have posterity and to do the will and the work of God throughout their mortality. This priesthood, as we know, continues on through the times of Adam and Eve, throughout the times until we get to Moses. So we find this interesting with Moses, and there have been many discussions about this and what Moses lost and the Moses lost at this time. But this statement, I believe, is very important. Again, from President Nelson and President Benson, he says Moses taught this order priesthood to his people and sought diligently to sanctify his people that they might behold the face of God. This is from Exodus uh, chapter forty, verses twelve through thirteen. Then continuing on, and, and maybe actually before I go on there, I, I'd like to make this comment, and I do it in the, sac in the sacred nature of this comment. Exodus 40, 12 through 13 teaches a bit about this. And it says, And thou shalt bring Aaron and his sons into the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and wash them with water, and thou shalt put, him in, put upon Aaron the holy garments and anoint him and sanctify him. I bring this scripture up specifically because I think at times we think that this is a scripture referring only to Moses and Aaron and the sons. But I would strongly recommend that we, we perhaps think about our temple experience and recognize that sometimes scriptures aren't changed by gender, depending upon where you are. So I hope women and men both understand the significance of this statement when they are also entering into the temple and receiving uh, important covenants with the Lord, entering into important covenants with the Lord. Continuing, they hardened their hearts and could not endure his presence. Therefore, the Lord in his wrath, for his wrath was kindled for his anger was kindled against them, swore that they should not enter into the rest well in the wilderness, which rest is the fullness of his glory. Therefore, he took Moses out of their midst and the holy priesthood also. Notice in, in here again that we are talking about this time frame when the higher level or the higher understanding, the higher priesthood is being taken away. But what is this exactly? How long was it gone? When was it returned? There are so many questions that we have and so many answers that we have, but what was really lost? What was lost to women specifically? What did Eve enter into with Adam that women did not enter into again until Emma entered into with Joseph Smith? There was more that was lost there than just simply what we would say as the Melchizedek priesthood that affected men. Women were dramatically affected by this loss. So continuing on. Now we're thinking about the church structure and we're thinking about the, high, the, the patriarchal structure, the familial structure of the priesthood. There's so much more we could talk about, but I'm just gonna kind of move forward here on this for us. 
So this is Elder McConkie, and he's explaining then, after this time of Moses, we continue on with this church, and, and we have the Aaronic priesthoods continuing on. Christ comes again, and of course Christ has the fullness of the priesthood, if so, he desires to use it. But he sets up a completely different structure, priesthood structure per se, or he sets up a church structure. So we see from President McConkie, why didn't we still have this patriarchal order of the priesthood going on? Why was this no longer a familial priesthood? Well, Elder McConkie states very simply, in a pragmatic way, the church could operate in the easiest and harmonious way because of the social setting that exists in the world. And the social circumstances of the nations and the governments are such today that we can't operate through families like they did in Abraham's day. You can't have civil and ecclesiastical authority combined because the great masses of men don't belong to the church. Now, I'm going to throw out just a, a, perhaps an obvious point here, but I he talks about, Elder McConkie talks about Abraham's day, which leads us to the Abrahamic covenant. A point that I hope we understand and is very clear, there is no Abrahamic covenant if there is no Sarah. Abrahamic covenant requires two individuals to enter into the fullness of the priesthood together. Sarah must also have received her endowments. That's not, that's, that, is, that is obvious. Sarah and Abraham together must have received and entered into the patriarchal order of the priesthood together. And both had the benefits, the uses, and the privilege of using that priesthood for the benefit of their family. And that continues on with any man and any woman who enter into and receive the fullness of the priesthood, which requires the temple. So we'll talk about this here as we continue on. So what happens then is the church, obviously we go into apostasy, we lose this ability to have the priesthood structure, and frankly, it's both structures that are lost. But what is restored then to Joseph Smith is he's asking for the true church, and he's trying to understand which church to join. Well, the Lord continues to reveal to Joseph, and in 1830, the church is restored, but it's in 1829 that the priesthood is actually restored. We know this, but what priesthood is actually being restored? What is actually happening? What keys, what power and authority are being restored to Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery at this time? It's often confusing, and there have been some talks, especially President Eyring's April of 2019 General Conference talk recently, that goes into great detail about what was being restored and what wasn't being restored at this time. So as we continue on, we understand at this time that there were priesthood keys, authority, and power that were being restored. But was it for the hierarchical administrative priesthood structure or the patriarchal? It's the hierarchal. It's the administrative structure of the priesthood. The keys that were restored were the keys of presidency. How do we know this? Well, we know very well that these other keys were not restored until, until uh, Elijah came in 1836, on, in April of 1836, to restore the keys that he had been given of the sealing keys and other keys associated with that time. So what are we lacking at this time? A lot of keys. And I bring this specifically for the women of the church and the men of the church to understand this. We often teach, and for good reason, that there are specific priesthood keys, and the prophet of the church holds all the priesthood keys of the church in this dispensation, except, of course, those exceptions that are spoken of by a few, including President Kimball. However, do we understand that there are also other keys, that the scriptures talk about a lot of other keys? What about the key of knowledge? Who holds those keys? And do we understand why? And, that is, and, and we understand how that is different than the priesthood keys that were given to Joseph Smith on that sacred day in 1829. In fact, just a, a simple diagram, I'm not going to do a lot with this, but these are a number of different keys that are associated with the scriptures. You can see that there are, literally as you start making a full count, about 40 different times that priesthood or keys are talked about. Not all keys in the scriptures are priesthood keys. Not all keys are only held by the president of the church. Not all keys are presiding keys. For example, a young deacon who receives the Aaronic priesthood is given the keys of the ministering of angels. Well, if a key is only a presiding key, how is it that all deacons get it if he is not in the presidency of his Aaronic priesthood quorum? 
it doesn't fit. The definition doesn't work there. So there are numbers, many, many exceptions to this rule of priesthood keys that we don't teach accurately and that are affecting specifically women of the church. So in this case, a young, a young deacon can have priesthood keys, yet he's not over anyone. The priesthood keys are actually associated with his ordination, not associated with his presidency. There's, we have a lot of work to do on making sure that we understand and teach this correctly. And why is this important? Well, what do keys do in this case? Keys open doors. So what is an Aaronic priesthood holder doing when he is passing the sacrament? He's opening the doors. So who receives the, the ministering of angels? As the Aaronic priesthood holder has been told, it's not just the Aaronic priesthood holder. And it's not to minimize the Aaronic priesthood holder and saying it's not just him. Listen carefully to this quote by President Oaks. He says the following, through the Aaronic priesthood ordinances of baptism and the sacrament, we are cleansed of our sins and promise that if we keep our covenants, we will always have his spirit to be with us. I believe that promise not only refers to the Holy Ghost, but also to the ministering of angels, for angels speak by the power of the Holy Ghost, wherefore they speak the words of Christ. So it is that those who hold the Aaronic priesthood open the door for all church members who worthily partake of the sacrament to enjoy the companionship of the spirit of the Lord and the ministering of angels. Do we understand how important it is and how significant it is to tell every eight-year-old girl in this church that they have the ministering of angels? Too often, the young men are told simply that you have the key of the ministering of angels and how wonderful that is that you have angels on your left hand, on your right hand, and before you and behind you. The eight-year-old girls need to be told the same thing. Isn't it just as important for an eight-year-old girl to know that? And isn't it just as true? Often we try to help the young men understand how important it is they hold the priesthood, but by so doing, we're leaving the young women out. Therefore, as men, they have a different understanding of what their role and understanding of how they use their priesthood and their wives or other women, single or those who don't have priesthood power, those who aren't ordained to a priesthood office don't understand. The confusion starts at a very young age and continues to go forward. We have to teach these concepts correctly or we are demeaning and minimizing the roles of women in the church. So continuing on. This is President Ballard. He says the following, those who have priesthood keys literally make it possible for all who serve their faith, serve faithfully under their direction to exercise the priesthood authority and have access to priesthood power. Therefore, any person under one who holds key is given the responsibility to do so has priesthood authority and priesthood responsibility and priesthood powers to so do. So continuing on then with the statement that I said before with President, uh, with, with the importance of the Aaronic priesthood being restored, I want to make this point. I'm going to skip this and go to this. Even though the Aaronic priesthood and Melchizedek priesthood have been restored to the earth, the Lord urged the saints to build a temple to, to receive the keys by which this order of the priesthood could be administered on the earth. For there was not a place found on the earth that he may come to restore again that which was lost, even the fullness of the priesthood. And so when is this priesthood, and we talked about this again, what is this structure and what's going to be happening? Well, it's very clear. We see not only in the Kirtland Temple, but we see in the days of the Relief Society that these keys are now going to be restored, that the women of the church are actually going to enter into and become part of this patriarchal familial priesthood. It's a different structure. It's a different understanding that is very, seems to be very confusing. It has been so for many years. But if we could just teach both the women and the men of the church the difference in structure, we would understand that the women do have priesthood power and authority through their temple uh, covenants. Joseph Smith said the following, Go through and finish the temple and God will fill it with power and you will then receive more, more knowledge concerning this priesthood. There is only one place where the, order of, where the order of the priesthood, which is patriarchal authority, is made known, and that is in the temple. You enter into an order of the priesthood in the temple. And who enters into it? Both women and men. 
And what is the authority? It is the authority and power of the priesthood that is just as real, but used for different purposes, just as the temple is used for different purposes as well, together going forward. Joseph Smith is receiving revelation both on the hierarchical structure and the patriarchal structure of the priesthood. And in a sense, he's trying to help the members of the church to understand. But while he is restoring the, while he's restoring the, the administrative function of the church, the first presidency, the Quorum of the Twelve, he's also receiving revelation regarding the temple and the patriarchal structure of the church. You start seeing this as we look at the early scriptures and Doctrine and Covenants. So you see as early as 1831, section 36, verse 8, we see Jesus Christ speaking to Joseph and saying, I am Jesus Christ, the Son of God, wherefore gird up your loins and I will suddenly come to my temple. Joseph is now receiving temple language. In section 18 of Doctrine and Covenants, he was receiving information regarding the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Now he's receiving temple language. This continues in section 38. And there you shall be endowed with power from on high. Members of the church most likely didn't understand at this point what he's talking about, but Joseph is knowing since section two of the Doctrine and Covenants, the first given revelation, that something is missing. Elijah hasn't come, and he knows that. So section 42, that my covenant people may be gathered in one in that day when I shall come to my temple, and this I do for the salvation of my people. This idea of temple and this idea of the importance of having a spirit, the, the, the endowment coming is going to be absolutely critical for women and men in the church. It's going to continue into section 124 and section 84 and, and many others that are going in there. But just for, for, for purposes of jumping through a lot, we're going to go to section 124. In these verses it says, And verily I say unto you, let this house be built unto my name, and that I may reveal mine ordinances therein unto my people. For I deign to reveal unto my church things which have been kept hid from before the foundation of the world, things that pertain to the dispensation of the fullness of times. And I will show unto my servant Joseph all things pertaining to this house and the priesthood thereof and the place whereon it shall be built. The members of the church are going to be continually shown more about the temple. The women of the church are going to be included as time goes on, especially when we get to the Nauvoo era, in every one of these possible endowments ceilings, et cetera, et cetera. The women of the church understand their role in the temple. They can separate the two between being ordained to a priesthood office as in the administrative structure of the, of the church and going into the temple. In fact, if you ask many women, uh, do they understand the difference? Most will say yes, but they actually say, but we feel like we can't talk about it and that many people don't understand. But many women get it. They just don't know how to have the discussion. So, I'm going to go on for time's sake and just, just maybe skip a couple of things, but I want to show a couple of things as well. So why is this so important that we understand the temple and women? Well, President Ballard said very, very clearly, again in 2015, although the church plays a pivotal role in proclaiming, announcing, administering the necessary ordinances of salvation and exaltation, all of that, as important as it is, is really just scaffolding, being used in an infinite and eternal construction project to build support and strengthen the family. Or in other words, what is going to continue? the family, who is going to have the priesthood, women and men who enter into the patriarchal order of the priesthood together to raise their family with priesthood power and authority. The structure of the church as we see it today is no longer going to be in effect in the next life, and we're seeing that being fulfilled in a sense even in our day today. So we continue on. So what does this mean, this endowment with power? President Nelson says, every man, every woman, every man who makes covenants with God and keeps those covenants and who participates wordly in the priesthood ordinances has direct access to the power of God. Those who are endowed in the house of the Lord receive a gift of God's power by virtue of their covenants, along with a gift of knowledge to know how to draw upon that power. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time answering this question. 
but I'm going to just kind of flip, go through a few slides with you and let you study this power on your own as President Nelson has asked that you study it on your own. But for, for, for purposes of giving you some ideas of where to find answers to what is this power, I'm just going to show you a, a few slides without even reading them. The first one comes from President, President Nelson, April of 2017, where he's asking us to use effort to follow him, him, him in faith so that we may have greater access to this power. The next one comes from President Ballard, where he says, women and men are both endowed with priesthood power. And then he says, well, the authority of the priesthood is directed through priesthood keys, and priesthood keys are held only by men. Access to the power and blessings of the priesthood is available to all of God's children. Well, how do we have access to that power? He continues, our Father is in heaven is generous with his power. All men and all women have access to this power for help in their lives. Sherry Dew has an incredible statement where she talks about the importance of priesthood power. I invite you to go to her book, Women in the Priesthood, and study more about what she specifically teaches regarding priesthood power and authority, and specifically how she defines it and the powers that are made available. From her book and from many other sources by the Brethren, most, mostly by First Presidency members, I have come up with this short list, but there are many more. So what are the powers that are available for both women and men? The power of enlightenment, of testimony, the power to thwart the forces of evil. If you think about your temple endowment, is it men or women, or women and men, or just one or the other that is being taught how to thwart the forces of evil? What about the greater powers to teach? The power to strengthen our families, the power of knowledge and light and beauty. When you associate then power through uh, the temple, we increase these powers and we increase these possibilities substantially. This comes from Elder Renlund's book on priesthood power as well. Eliza uh, Snow understood what she was talking about and she understood the struggles when she says simply, I will go forward when the billows of change encompass me, when it surges dash furiously and the foam thereof is nigh unto overwhelming, thy power will sustain me. I will laugh at the rage of the tempest and rise fearlessly and triumphantly across the boisterous ocean of circumstances. I will maintain the new and everlasting covenant. She got it. She understood the power that she had through her temple endowment. Continuing on, when the clouds of uncertainty gather upon the horizon, darker than the shades of midnight, when distrust is rising at standard over the broad field of speculation, thy word will dissipate every obstruction and the testimony of Jesus will light up a lamp that will guide my spirit through the portals of immortality and communicate to my understanding the glories of the celestial kingdom. She understood all of this was associated with the new and everlasting covenant that she entered into in the temple. So again, how do you, how do you increase this power? Section 93 of the Doctrine and Covenants tells us that Christ learned line upon line, grace for grace. It's the same that we need today. In fact, President Nelson, one more time, asked the sisters of the church now to study carefully section 84 and sections 107 to understand better how they can have this priesthood and understand what the priesthood is. I'm, I'm not going to go into detail on this section, but having done so on my own on many occasions, I simply invite you as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, as both women and men, to do what the prophet has asked. When you start looking at section 84 and you start looking carefully, especially when you're talking about the oath and covenant of the priesthood, do not all women and men receive his servants? Do not all, as it says in verse 36, uh, receive this priesthood, receive me, saith the Lord? Do we not all receive the Lord's servants? Are we not all then receiving the Lord? For he that receiveth my servants receiveth me, he says, and he that receiveth me receiveth my father. And he that receiveth my father receiveth my father's kingdom. Therefore, all that my father hath shall be given unto him. Do not women do the same thing? Do not women receive the servants of the Lord? 
And this is according to the oath and covenant belonging to the priesthood. Do not women enter into an oath and covenant when they receive their temple endowments? Are there not similarities here, if not completely equality, as we're talking about what women and men promise to do? Both women and men, the purpose of the priesthood is to save souls. Is that not the same responsibility for women and men? Recognizing that it is a man's job as he is ordained to a priesthood office to serve a full-time mission, is it not the same responsibility for every woman of the church to save souls? Working hand in hand, we draw these things together. So, my dear sisters, your power will increase as you serve others. Your prayers, fasting, time in the scriptures, service in the temple, and family history were work family history work will open the heavens to you. I'm going to skip forward looking at time here to just a couple of statements um, regarding covenants. President, President or Elder Bednar said the following, across the generations from the prophet Joseph Smith to President Nelson, the doctrinal purpose of the temple and ordinances and covenants have been taught extensively by church leaders to keep the law of obedience, the law of sacrifice, the law of the gospel, the law of chastity, and the law of consecration. We have been asked by leaders of the church to understand these laws, to speak about these laws, and to use these laws and abide in these laws. Continuing, Elder Washburn, we go to the temple to make covenants, but we go home to keep the covenants that we have made. The home is a testing ground. The home is a place where we learn to be more Christ-like. The home is a place where we learn to overcome selfishness and give ourselves to the service of others. As, we, as members of the church worthily participate in the ordinance of the priesthood, the Lord will give you greater strength, peace, and eternal perspective, Elder Anderson says. Whatever your situation, your home will be blessed by the strength of priesthood power. And those close to you will, be more fully will more fully desire these blessings themselves. This priesthood power that is talked about is given to every woman in the church, regardless of marital status, through their covenants. I'm going to go to one one last little part here, although I have so much that I would love to say. I'm just going to skip presiding. We can go there another time. But President, our sister Bingham talks about the importance of women. Quoting President Nelson, she says, Today we need women who have the courage and vision of our mother Eve to unite with your brethren in bringing souls into Christ. Men need to become true partners rather than assume they are solely responsible or act as pretend partners while women carry out much of the work. Women need to be willing to step forward and take their rightful and needful place as partners rather than thinking they need to do it all by themselves or wait to be told what to do. And then referring to partners, President Eyring actually talks about the role of nurturing in the church, especially for women. Part of the Lord's current sharing of knowledge relates to the accelerating his pouring out eternal truth on the heads and the hearts of his people. He has made clear that the daughters of Heavenly Father will play a primary role in that miraculous acceleration. One evidence of the, mir of the miracle is his leading his living prophet to put far greater emphasis on gospel instruction in the home within the family. In the proclamation, he gave sisters the charge to be the principal gospel educators in the family. In these words, mothers are primarily responsible for the nurture of their children. This includes the nurture of gospel truth and knowledge. So who is it in the home that has a primary responsible to teach the gospel? It is the women. It is the women who have made covenants in the temple, who have received priesthood power and authority, who have been given that ability to teach and to write and to speak those things of God. I find it fascinating that in the talk by uh, President Benson that we have talked about before, President Benson actually says that every woman and every man who receives their temple endowment is given the key to the knowledge of God. Once again, I want to remind us how important it is to understand the importance of that key. Keys are misunderstood in the church. How is it that a woman could receive the key of the knowledge of God? How is it that she's available and, and possible to have the 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 the, the how is it possible that she is able to understand the mysteries of God? 
Is it just the prophet who holds that key or is President Benson speaking as a prophet right that women do hold that key of knowledge? Especially if women are supposed to use that primary responsibility to teach in the home. One of the things that we must understand regarding priesthood and temple and women is that we have made some misunderstand we have made some comments and some points in the church traditionally that are perhaps not as correct. The prophets clearly are trying to make us and help us to understand the truth, but it's a work in progress. So I will end with this. In section 84, it does say this one more time. He says, sorry, I'm going to go, I missed my page. Section 84, the Lord states the following. And this greater priesthood administereth the gospel and holdeth the key of the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Who enters the greater priesthood and who receives the greater priesthood as they enter into the temple? Even the key of the knowledge of God. Who receives the keys when they enter the temple? Therefore, in the ordinances thereof, the power of godliness is manifest. Who is it that is supposed to become like heavenly parents? Who is it that the power of godliness is manifest? And who is it who is supposed to gain this power of godliness? When we understand the priesthood in its real form, we understand that the priesthood is a power of God given to both men and women. And it's the power of godliness that we understand that both women and men have the potential to become heavenly parents. There is no God unless there is a goddess. There is no priest without a priestess. There is no king without a queen. Together, when we understand the priesthood, we enter into the fullness of the priesthood. It's a family priesthood. It's meant for women and men together. But we do have a long ways to go before we understand it. I believe the prophet Joseph Smith understood it. Obviously, Adam and Eve understood it. And I know that the Lord understands it today. And he's speaking through his prophet to help us understand it as well. Sister Jones, speaking at the last general conference, said one of the greatest things that she wished that she knew when she was younger is how important the priesthood was to her and how she had the power to use it. I testify that this church is the church of God, that he does have this power and authority given to both women and men on the earth. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so very much for that. As we were driving north and south along the Wasatch Front uh, over the past uh, month or six weeks, it has resulted in a paradigm shift in my thinking about women and priesthood. <clears throat> Let me ask what and what specific ways in the contemporary church uh, <clears throat> can women avail, specific ways that women can avail themselves of priesthood power? You know, I will, I, I had an interesting experience when President Nelson asked the members, the women of the church specifically to go to the temple. Uh, he said, he said I, I invited you to do a number of things, but he says, study section 84 and section 107, but the Lord likes to do his teaching in his temple. And I went to the temple just simply asking, what is the power that women have? What is the power and authority that women have? But he specifically asked women to go to the church asking for their power, what power they have. And I, um, in the temple process of, of going through the temple, I just learned, and I think it's just almost so basic that it's embarrassing to say, Women have every power necessary for the to bring to pass the salvation of men and women on the earth. So is there, is there an authority that is given to a man who is ordained? Yes, men are ordained to be able to perform specific priesthood functions such as baptism. Well, women in the temple are also given the power and authority to, pertain, to perform priesthood functions, and that is a temple function. 
And so women and men both have priesthood authority. One is given in a temple. So one of the things that I'd like to say to women is traditionally in the world and in the church, we would say that women has a great intuition. Is that not priesthood power when understood correctly? When my, when, when my, um, when my mother prays in, in faith, as women in the past days of, of church history prayed in faith, were they not actually performing a priesthood function? Uh, we may have different terminology for it today, and, and for good reason, to, I think, because it's so misunderstood. But when women are performing, uh, or when women are acting as saviors of souls of men, they are performing priesthood functions in, in every way. But misunderstood that way. We wouldn't say it's a priesthood function. We would say women are just acting in faith. I find it fascinating in the early days of Eliza R. Snow, for example, she was performing priesthood blessings. But they, she would call it faith blessings, right? Uh, they, they would use oil and they would, and they would um, perform those functions. And, and, and rightly so, we have asked, used the Bible in saying that there are so, forth, so far there are, and in using the Bible, we would say that that is, a, that is a priesthood function of the men. And clearly that there are some things that men can do. But I think we have to be very careful when we're trying so hard to distinguish the two to say that women therefore don't have any. And that's what we've been doing for years. And I could go on and on on this one, but I know that that was probably more of a simple question. But anything that women is doing for the salvation of the children of men, just as men are doing, is a performance of a priesthood function. An experience of uh, one of my former mission presidents, uh, who uh, after uh, he came home, because uh, I remember uh, a mission uh, serving in Switzerland was called to Africa to go to uh, a mission there after the revelation concerning uh, the priesthood that was given to the seminary. He said he was uh, he, he went. Uh, he went to a sacrament service and at that particular moment he, he saw a young woman administering uh, the sacrament and said, that's probably <laughs> the right thing. That's right, so, yeah. Uh, and they, they responded by saying, well, that's all right. We'll, we'll do uh, uh, the young woman so <laughs> they can do it. He said, no, that's not what we're talking about. And, and Steve and I appreciate you saying that because in, in so doing and, and talking about this topic, there, there are perhaps those who would say that women need to be ordained to these priesthood offices and, and, and have those. This is not what we're talking about. We're talking about the distinct function between the temple and authority that is received by one who is given a priesthood office. A woman receives priesthood power and authority through priesthood keys of one who has the administrative role. That's true. But she is not ordained to a priesthood office to perform priesthood functions like you're talking about. On the other hand, sometimes we, we don't want to talk about what women can have in the temple because we don't want to confuse with what they don't have in the ecclesiastical structure. And so therefore, the temple side is completely washed out because almost because of fear, I think, fear that women may take too much on themselves. I don't know exactly the reasoning behind it, but I am completely convinced that if women and men understood the power that was given to women, especially in the temple and the authority that they received there, that, that we would be able to help the women do what President Nelson is saying. Uh, we cannot gather Israel in the second coming cannot come forward until the women are using the priesthood power and authority that they've been given. And, and frankly, he is referring specifically, it seems, to the temple and what women and men receive in the temple. But I appreciate that because I'd be the first in line to thank every priesthood holder who has received 
and who has been ordained to a priest's office for their functioning and what they're doing there, whether it's from passing the sacrament, performing a priesthood blessing, um, uh, 